This is a COVID-related shit. <coughs> there have been a number of different shiners which have come up. Um, I'll give first a overview of the various different areas of shiners which have come up. And then I'd like to go into one of them in particular, which I've probably had the most amount of calls in so far. Um, that doesn't mean that's the most relevant, but it's the one which maybe became the most pressing as soon as Yonta finished. Um, and lots of young lights started uh, clearing about what their options are. Um, so, so first of all, sorry. First of all, let's just give a little bit of a, a brief overview of the various different Mishpat which have come up um, along the way um, as a result of the current situation in which people find themselves in. So, again, I, I, I don't want to get bogged down in each of these areas now um, because I was not going to get to anything. I, there's one particular part, one area which I'd like to go through properly. Um, I don't know if we'll get through all of it tonight, but at least we'll get a start. Um, and we'll go through the others as the weeks progress. And hopefully by the time we finish, we'll at least be all sitting in a room together. That would be ideal. So I would say that tonight's year is your full Shlema for Eli Zelliger. So um, the various different areas of Shailas which have come up have been multiple. You have a Shaila which is relevant to playgroups, playgroups, nurseries, where they're no longer providing the service which the parents are paying for. And the parents want to know, you know, it's a bit uncomfortable and we're all English, we want to do the right thing. And, and, and you know, but on the other hand, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not getting a service which I'm paying for. I'm climbing the walls at home looking after my little kid. And does it make sense that I'm still Mukhoyev to pay for the nursery? That's one area. That, moving on from that, is a much more hot potato uh, type shiner, which is schools. Schools, moisters, um, and, and, and this is an area which really is much more complicated to get into because there are various different angles, um, a lot more angles involved in this particular shiner than there are in um, in, for example, the playgroup Shaila, the playgroup is, is, is relatively clear-cut in, in the various different areas and applications in Aloha. In the school Shaila, uh, again, without getting bogged down in it now at this stage, because it's too, we're not there yet, but in the school Shaila, you've got, uh, um, first of all, various different schools who are providing some form of service. Um, so whether that is Rebbers giving Shurim over Zoom or pre-recorded lessons or lessons which are sent out over, uh, uh, um, you know, various different papers and things that should be done. Um, so, so first of all, there's an element of, of the school which is being, which is providing. The flip side of that is the parents kutaina. Thank you very much. I've got uh, uh, how many different children sitting in how many different rooms? Each one needs a phone and each one needs a, a computer. And I'm having to look after them. I'm having to manage them. I'm having to manage them in between all of these sessions. And how can you possibly say? I should be paying the same fee uh, to the moisture which I was paying before. Then there's the Shailas. What happens if they don't pay the fees? What happens to the moisters? Is there an area of outside talocha of the takona? Is there a takona where, in theory, so for example, if you deal with, let's say, a town which has one bezin uh, responsible for that town, that's where takonas are much easier to happen, al-pi um, for Takonas to happen, I'll be a local, we've got multiple bottles in them, we really need all of them to come together with the same kind of psak. Um because Takona by definition is where 
the people who have been mamuna by the tzivu, who have been appointed by the tzivu, come and make the relevant takonas outside the normal realm of halacha because they've deemed that that's what's necessary for the town under the specific circumstances that the town finds itself in. So whether you want to call that harasha or various different other things which we find brought down in halacha where, where Chazal may get empowered botidinim to make certain takonas for the specific time. So one could argue that when it comes to schools, there might be a requirement in order to keep moistness afloat um, of being machai people to pay fees, etc. Again, let's, let's park that particular shaila. Of course, in that shaila, there's various different uh, um, areas as far as differentiating between a, a state-aided school, a uh, um, um, voluntary-aided school, various different, you know, in a voluntary-aided school, of course, all the Kodesh money that's, that's donated by the parents is in any case not something which, literally speaking, they're mechuyiv. So, so once you do want to start talking about what person's mechuyiv, not mechuyiv, I don't want Danny Dover calling me up, so I've got to be very careful. Um, so, so again, generally, let, let's, let's park that general shaila for now. Then, if you take that shaila, or similar to that shaila, and go one step up, what happens when you're dealing with sems and moisters, uh, like, uh, yeshivas? So there you have part of the school shaila, but on the other hand, part of what you're paying for in a sem or in a yeshiva is you're paying for dormitories normally, you're paying for meals. So there's actual expenses which, which A, the, the moistad um, isn't providing, and B, the moistad doesn't even necessarily have the expense. So obviously the dorm is there, but they're not necessarily having the same electricity, electricity expense. If they clean it, they're not having cleaning expense. And the food, of course, they don't have to provide any of the food. So there's an actual general saving on behalf of the moistad, which could, uh, therefore one could argue that, that, that even if you're saying that you have to pay maybe still the rebbeim or the teachers or whatever it might be, um, why does that mean I have to pay uh, the part, the portion of the fee, which is for something which you don't have that expense anymore? Um, on, on, on both of the... Sorry? It's reasonable to expect organizations to have furloughed staff for the moment. Oh, now, now, now I, was, I, was coming, I, was coming, I was coming on to furloughing. Following, as far as I understand, some oysters can, some oysters can't. Um, I, I think there's a difference between state aids and voluntary aids. I'm not sure. And if you understand why it should be. Yeah, yeah. so a, a state-aided school can't furlough whole staff, which obviously are paid for by the government anyway. But a state-aided school can furlough um, staff, like Kodesh staff, who are not paid for by the government. So, so then, in theory, you're talking about... That's, that's really relevant in this country. Of course, you're talking about most of the in Israel. That's not relevant anyway. Yeah, yeah of yeah, course. But, yeah, but in, in this country, I mean, a, a yeshiva fee, if the yeshiva is not opening next month, or, or it's, it, it's reasonable to assume that a yeshiva would have furloughed um, its cleaners, possibly its rebellion. Um, now, the rebellion are probably paid a lot more than well, the government would contribute under the furlough scheme, so the, the, the yeshiva might nevertheless top that up. But I, I think the furlough means that, effectively, that the costs borne by the organization should be very much lower. So so, so the, the caveat in that is that, of course, you can only uh, expect to get on furloughing what you're paying people, um, everything clear, and, 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 yeah. So, so, so that's one caveat. 
And another caveat would be that, um, for example, a, a school where the Rebbeim are still providing uh, a share, um, even if it's for less hours, you can't do following, because following is, is that they're not working for you at all. You cannot, so, yes, so then, you cannot. Um, you cannot ask them to do anything under furloughing. Um, Correct. They so, aren't most of so most of it finds itself in the position where, where what happens if, for example, you've got some parents who are saying, you know what, thank you very much. Instead of my child receiving four hours of Kodesh a day, he's now getting an hour and a quarter share. And for that, that's why I have to pay, you know, follow the Rebbe. And I'll do without the hour and a quarter share. I'll find, I'll find another way, another share online for my son or whatever it would be. On the, on the other hand, not every parent might want that. And some parents want to keep up the continuity and they want to keep up the Rebbe and the Shaykhs and all the rest. So it's complicated. Like I said, the school has a, a number of different areas. But you're right that following is one of the additional points, like I said, where most is saving on food. So potentially you're, you're pointing out that following is a, a, a vehicle which could enable a most or, or, or any organization to potentially save on the, and, the labour costs. And, and, and to be clear, if that is possible, then pastors there'll be a chiv to do that. You, you've got a chiv to minimise the potential losses, no? Yeah. Um, to mitigate the losses. Um, Only I, if you I, don't I, want to use them. Correct. If you're using them, then you're stuck. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying, if you can... Yeah, if but you're cleaning the books. Further, but again, so I'm not clear what you're saying, Ali. If you intend your rabbi giving a little bit of a shear, whatever it might be, then then uh, then you have a challenge because then, then you can't follow them. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Now, my understanding is that you know if you're fur- furloughed, you can actually go off and get a job somewhere else. Um, so why why can't the rebbers from most not of the paid? You can do a volunteering people. job. You can't you can't get paid job elsewhere. Ah, okay. Sorry, but I think you can be partially furloughed. Uh, no. Jeremy, your video is not on, so we can't see your tie. Uh-huh. That's why I'm not wearing one, you see. Right, exactly. Uh-huh. Uh, okay, so moving on, from, moving on from schools and moving on from the Samsung yeshivas, um, uh, then, then you have a, uh, uh, area of Shiloh which, which, which is different, which is different, but it's relevant to a lot of people. And that is what happens when you have a, 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 a young couple here in England who live in Eretz Yisrael, who've come here for Yontif, um, now are stuck, and they want to know, do they have to pay the normal rent to their baladira in Eretz stall, um, bearing in mind the fact that they're stuck and they can't go and use it, and, 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 and does that in any way give them any leeway as far as their liability of paying rent? And this is a Shaila of which we've had many, many people call up um, with, and I'd like to talk through um, the sugya, Part of the sugya, I think we've learned before, if you remember at the time when they were firing shells over in, uh, uh, from Lebanon um, uh, um, up north in Eretz and it was the summer, and we had the shayla with people wanting to hire uh, um, dealers in Eretz people who had committed to hiring dealers for the summer in Eretz and now all of a sudden they felt that they couldn't go there because basically if you were, in, if you were up north in Eretz you had to be in, in, in a bunker, uh, you had to be in you know, a sealed room, whatever it would be, and, and, and therefore it just wasn't an option. You couldn't get to use the apartment, which was signed up for. If you remember at the time, actually, I was looking over just what we learned then, and we learned a very interesting shear where a person had rented back-to-back. So, so you have got Reuven, who's renting an apartment in Sfas, or in Tiveria, and, uh, from Shimon, and Shimon, who in turn 
has gone and rented an apartment down south, a cheaper apartment. Um, and now the Shiloh was that A, can Ruven cancel and, 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 and get their money back? Uh, so again, there's two Shilohs. One is, can you cancel if you haven't yet paid and walk away? Uh, one is a Shiloh, if you've already paid, can you cancel and get a refund? Um, and if you can, what happens to the fact that Shimon has rented an apartment down south? Can he cancel because this has been canceled to him? And, and, and we've had similar shilas over the years when you've got back-to-back purchases um, on properties. Uh, what happens when one pulls out the other, you know, and you hadn't made it clear? Uh, and they're basically you know, the, the, the answer on that one was was, was uh, remarkably that that Reuven could cancel because of what we're going to see shortly in the Shulchan Aruch is what's called Makas Medina. Um, and when Makas Medina happens, that's not just a specific problem to a specific property; it's a general global problem either global in that particular country or area, or in this case, potentially global, global. Um, and there we don't say Maslay Goram, right? We don't say your bad luck, you rented this apartment. Now the fact that this apartment is uninhabitable, that's your problem. We turn around and we say that this is such a global problem that yes, you're entitled to walk away from the deal. And in that particular Shaila, what came out was that Ruben could say Makas Medina, he could pull out of, this, of the rental agreement to rent Shimon's apartment in Tiveria, but Shimon had no grounds to cancel the renting of the apartment down south, even though he was now happy to stay in his apartment and stay in the bunker, whatever it would be, in Tiveria, rather than, than have to pay, you know, pay rent. Um, he didn't have grounds to cancel because when he rented the apartment down south, he hadn't mentioned the fact that he's renting his apartment up north and made it almost like a Tanai uh, uh, condition in the rental contract. I don't even know if Levy, whoever he rented it from, would have allowed him to make such a condition. And therefore, it comes down to the terminal, the, the normal cases of Dwarim Shavalev, where if you don't specify beforehand uh, um, that, that there's a condition, even if in your mind you're clearly only going into the agreement based on a certain understanding, that doesn't change things, and it's still called Dwarim Shavalev. So Can I just clarify was- something, JJ? Can I just clarify one thing? Are you talking about someone who's say, now renting an apartment after Pesach and now, for example, can't get back to Eretz Yisrael so they can't use it? Or are we talking about someone who's, say, been there the whole year, they came back before Pesach, they could have stayed in Eretz Yisrael, could have stayed in that apartment, but they decided to come back for Pesach. Now they can't go back. It's very different, the two cases, isn't it? 100% and well pointed out. So, so let, let, let me let me tell you before we go through the, the, the sugya, uh, let me give a, 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 a brief overview, and we'll come exactly to that point. Um, Isn't there an implied condition though that that somebody from Eretz from Chutzlaret who's in Eretz Israel is probably going to come home for Pesach? It's a, it's, it's a va- okay. Let, 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 give, give me a chance to go through some of the nakudas, and, and and you'll see that all of these points will come up. They're valid observations. So, so the, the this shaila is very, very relevant in Eretz Yisrael, and and number of rabbonim, poskim, botei um, hayra have have weighed in on it with different opinions, um, and, and 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 they're going to be going through um, primarily the shittas which we're going to see in the Shulchan Aruch, and the various different angles on those shittas and how they apply, but. Um, uh, like you, Mark. Um, the first time I was asked this, Shaila, uh, my my first approach, and that hasn't changed. And since then, I've heard that some of my peers 
look at it very much the same way, is that is that it depends. Um, speaking now all at the time, I'm speaking now all the time about people who had a pre-existing contract. But even within people who had a pre-existing contract of a, of a, of a pre-existing rental that had already been rolling for however long it had been rolling before, um, and now the people come home, I would differentiate between somebody who, for example, might have come home, uh, you know, months and months ago to have a baby, knowing full well that they're here for the whole zman. They might have sublet the apartment. They might have decided the apartment's so good they don't want to give it up, and they're prepared to pay rent for nothing. Good luck to them. Top um, Pesach, with the intention of coming back after Pesach. That's one scenario. The more common scenario, of course, is people who came home just prior to Ben Azmanim. So my opinion is that anyone who came home just prior to Ben Azmanim, uh, I mean, they might have had their head very firmly buried in the Gemara and not have any idea of what's going on around them. That would not be an excuse in Halacha. Um, but anyone who knew anything at that time when people came home knew that there was a very real possibility or maybe even probability of them not being able to come back straight after and therefore, the fact that they decided to leave, there's nothing wrong with the apartment. The apartment's absolutely fine. Those people who made the decision to stay um, are staying in those apartments, and there are plenty of them. Uh, and of course, there are plenty of Israelis who also rent apartments. They made the decision to leave their rented apartment, which again, we're not saying was the wrong decision. Each person has to make their decision based on all the various different factors, their own personal factors, and that's neither here nor there. But they made a conscious decision of their own free will to leave the apartment knowing that there's a possibility they won't be able to come back for a number of months. So as far as I'm concerned, there's no, it's very, very difficult grounds to in any way consider that onus, um, because the, the circumstance was there before and you made your decision which, which option to go with. So, so from my opinion, anyone who came out, and in fact, our person is going to be coming out with a letter on some of these shilas and this is going to be one of them. Um, and, and, and our business, Paskins, that anyone who left the, their apartment pri- uh, you know, prior to Ben Azmanim, just prior to Ben Azmanim, uh, where they knew that there's a possibility, and even if they didn't know because of the Gemasmid, which we're not knocking, but that doesn't change the fact that it, it should have been known, it could have been known um, mm-hmm. at that stage that, that most people, that the apartment, uh, you might not be able to go back and use that apartment for a number of months, and you still left it of your own free will, that was a conscious decision that you made, and surely if that happens, then 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 that cannot be grounds to cancel the, the but obligation. But are they not only there because they are learning in a moisid in Etzisol? If the moisid is closed, then they, the the whole reason to be there is, is is no longer relevant. So that itself is an umdina that they're only renting this apartment because they they're going to coil there. I, I think that, that I don't think that would be. Anansadi Bedas Kol Odom. Everyone's in Eretz for different reasons. One person might be in Yeshiva, one person might be in Kailul. But there are actually people from Chutzlaretz who rent apartments in Eretz who work, um, and some of them might work from home. So, so yeah, but the so knows that. The, the Baldira knows why the person came. It, it, for the Baldira, it's very clear, and he I'm knows why the, that young man is there. I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure why you think that's the case. I don't think most Baladirians, when they get someone wants to come and rent an apartment, so I don't think they ask them where you're learning or what you're doing or whatever. I think that's their business. They, they, they know that they're coming from Chutzoris. You're right. They know there's a high 
there's a high percentage of people who come from Chutzlaretz who come to learn in a kail. But for all you know, I mean, I've got I've got nephews in Eretz Yisrael who are sitting there in their tears in Eretz Yisrael still but now. So they no, of course. And they're learning over the phone with their chavosus. But they're still no, learning I, over I, yes, yeah, but, but if the Baldir happens to have met the younger man or renewed the contract, and he knows very well the situation of what his tenant is doing, so when he did the last renewal of the contract, he knew why the tenant, he knew which coil he's learning with, he has shaykhs with him, he knows that he's only there because of the coil. But Alex, yeah, because there are people who are there because of the coil who are still going to be learning, with other members of the coil, over the phone or over Zoom, Living still in empty soil. Why does why does the fact that the cradles stop mean that you cannot live in a rented zero in Yerushalayim? There are people doing it. You to consider to consider that enough of an Ansadi that that it's automatic grounds for cancellation. It, 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 I, I think from the various different cases we've seen in Shulchan Aruch would, would would not pass. The sufficient uh, uh, thresholds for not being and, and and is there and is there any nafkamina in terms of I've already had all my flights booked and paid for, so my decision to come home is based upon I've got my fifteen hundred pounds worth of flights, and that's the reason I'm coming home. You're asking me to now make. Well, you're 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 a, you're a businessman. So the answer to that is you've got a financial decision to weigh up. I can either uh, uh, lose my fifteen hundred pounds of flights, which first first of all. You won't necessarily have to lose because a lot of people, whatever, depending on circumstance. But, but let's say, I mean, most people who left, on the contrary, they have to cancel the original flights and book earlier flights or whatever. But, but uh, even if that's the case, so you've got a financial decision. I now can either not lose my £1,500 on my flights, but yes, lose my rental. Uh, I'm going to be paying rent money for nothing. Um, although I'm, that might not actually constitute a financial loss unless the parents that you're staying at are also charging you rent. Right? Um, for food for thought, as this continues a bit longer, you know, we'll see. But, um, uh, so that's not even, that's not, it's not a loss per se. If you stay there, you'll pay the rent. You're not there, you're still paying the rent, but you're, you're not incurring a double expense of paying rent from where you are now. So you, you had a financial choice to make under the circumstances. I don't think, see, why does that mean the Baladir should lose out when you make that conscious decision? It also, also, if, you could also say, not only there's no Anansadi, there's, there's probably just as many people that actually stayed because they didn't think they'd be able to get back. Both, you know, families and also Bochum that were some that were trying to, were going to get married of Pesach and now are stuck there and can't even get married. So, you know, you've got you've got it on both sides. People have actually yeah. stayed that weren't yeah, going to stay because they couldn't get back. Correct, correct. Yeah, what is it? I, if, I, I if, don't. You go on, Yossi. So, if you've left your belongings in the flat. Oh. Do you have any havamina to, to, to ask for no rent, or do you have to clear it out? So, so again, if you left your belongings in the flat, so, so let's just be clear what we're saying. What, 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 if you remember, we, when we learned uh, 13 years ago, the Alokas the Mechatos, yeah. maybe 14 years ago, the Alokas Mechatos, we, we, we discussed this concept of people wanting to have their cake and eat it. Meaning, that you have a mechatos, you've got a, 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 something you buy, and it's a bit faulty, so you want the owner to pay you the, the difference between what it should be and what it shouldn't be. And the owner basically wants to says, listen here, if you want it, take it. If you don't want it, give it back, and I'll give you a refund. And and, and we learn clearly in Halotha, and mechatos, on, on a mechach, it's all or nothing. You can you can, you can can basically uh, give everything back and get your chayfet, or keep it. But he's not mechuyev, 
to pay a cheaper price because of some mum that you think you found on the chayfetz. Uh, now, here, as well, in theory, a theory, you could broker an agreement with the landlord. Again, assuming, which we're not assuming, assuming on al-atzad, that you are entitled to cancel your, and not pay your rent. So, so what are you actually asking for? Are you asking to terminate the contract? Or are you asking to get a reduction in rent? Or are you asking to keep the contract, but just not pay rent for these months? Right? And, and, and here again, you have the shayla. If you're saying that, no, I want to keep the contract for whenever it is that I want the apartment, but in the meanwhile, I shouldn't be paying rent because I can't be there, what's the landlord meant to do? Because he can't rent out the apartment for two months or one month or, or, or three months till you decide you can come back. So, so that's number one. Number two, as you pointed out, Yossi, if you've got your things in the apartment, so you, you, you're currently using the apartment. So you, you want to terminate the lease, then fine, get someone to come in and clear out the dealer. But there's surely no grounds that you can terminate, that you can terminate the lease or pause the lease, keeping your items in the apartment just because you can't be there. You're not getting a full honor. The landlord should, 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 should lose out on rent for those months. That, that part just doesn't make sense. Uh, although, although we will see something similar to that later on once we get into the lockers properly inside. So now, com, com, coming back to the the, 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 so the the overview, from my point of view, is this Shaila doesn't begin in most of the you know, lights scenarios because anyone who got onto a plane knowing they might not be able to come back later, I don't see the Havamana. I don't see the Havamana that are entitled to a refund uh, or, or, or to terminate their lease in the middle of a lease. And I, don't, I don't see the Havamana. Where it would get interesting is what happens in a case, which, which often happens uh, both here and abroad, where people's lease comes to an end and they don't renew it, neither, neither part to renew it, and basically they carry on being there uh, without a lease, which is some an interesting shayla in halacha and it's an interesting shayla in law. Uh, what, what are the current terms if you're running without a lease? As far as I understand, and correct me if I'm wrong, if any of you are aware, Mark, you might, you'll probably know, um, as far as I understand, that normally the terms which are there continue being the terms um, after the end of the lease, with one exception. The date. That means yeah. at which stage can either party terminate the lease. So let's say if you have a lease which says it's a lease for 12 months, but either party can terminate it with one month notice, which would be unusual, then one could argue that even when the lease finished and expired, you still have to give one month notice if you want to terminate it. One could try yeah. and argue that. But if you deal with a normal lease, which is a 12-month lease with no, termina- no termination option in the middle, and now that lease is finished, and there is no further date. So is there anything stopping either party walking away from the contract in the middle? In the middle of the year or? Middle of the next year. Well, again, For the next, you have, so you've got a property you lawyer on here. Barry will, Barry will answer it. <laughs> I think it's uh, a rolling contract, doesn't it? Uh, under, well, no, under UK and the First UK, of all, welcome. There, there, <laughs> is a, uh, there is a difference in the last one. In, in simple terms, the landlord would need to give a minimum of two months' notice. The tenant may be able to terminate on less notice than that. Okay. So, so Barry, I, I normally just make it up, but you actually know it. How <laughs> <laughs> do you know I'm not making it up? No. <laughs> uh, Barry, if to, if to get you to stay, we might have to carry on Zoom even once we go back live. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so again, I don't know. Uh, English law or Israeli law, and I certainly don't say it's, that you should rely on it. 
Um, but I've got no idea what the law is in Eretz Yisrael, if it follows similar in some areas, it follows English law. Um, but, but, but let's say there'll be a similar concept. So that would be more interesting because then if you've got a person who's now here and realizes, hey, I can't go back for not ever many months and this doesn't make sense, I should be paying rent. And actually, as it happens, my lease is up. My lease was up already months ago. So that would be a different shiner because there they could terminate the lease, nothing to do with COVID, uh, you know, at any given time. So, so that obviously would be different, Shaila. Well, so what I would like to speak about when we look at our locker, because generally when we look at our locker, we prefer to be dealing with a scenario that would be relevant. Um, so what I'd like to speak about is the person who, let's say, has a contract. The contract's, let's say, 12 months. Um, they're still in the middle of that contract. And they came back to have a baby or for a simcha. So they came back knowing uh, nothing about COVID. COVID didn't exist in Eric's dissolved and exist in Europe, maybe in China, I don't think that would be relevant. And they came back thinking they're coming back for three months, uh, whatever it would be, and then they're going to go back like normal. And then all of a sudden, now they find that they can't go back. All right? So so here, this is a different Shiloh. This is a Shiloh of somebody who didn't do anything, didn't make a conscious decision to put themselves in a situation where they knew at the time they would not be able to use the property. Um, circumstances have now evolved on a global scale uh, resulted in this situation. Now, first of all, the first obvious chiluk, which I was waiting for somebody to point out, maybe I haven't given you enough uh, breath to, 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 to snip in in the middle here. The first obvious differentiation between this particular shayla and the shayla which we dealt with about four years ago, five years ago, I don't remember how long it was, with Lebanon, was there... The Makas Medina prevents you from being able to use the property. So the Makas Medina is in fact a Maka in the actual Binyan. Now we have that here in England. In England you have a Makas Medina where for example, uh, let's say, and this is another area which we didn't touch on, let's say a person had rented the Chasna Hall, right, here in England, and then all of a sudden, or even, or even any function hall here in England, let's say the Shul Hall, here in England, and then it turns out that uh, now the government don't let you use that hall for purpose. So there, that's Makas Medina on the property. The Medina, something's happened on a global or local global scale that has prevented the, the normal usage of the property that's meant to be rented. And that's where Makas Medina comes in, and that's where the Seicha normally can walk away uh, and say, I don't need to pay. However, in this particular case, uh, there, there, there is, I'm just going to throw this out now without giving it the proper context at all. There is a Chubas Hassan Sofa which we have to get through who, who, who brings up the concept in many of these scenarios that both parties are encouraged to make a Shara for various different reasons. But I'm just throwing that out there because you might see it, you might hear about it. It's not relevant to where, what we're in the middle of at the moment, but that it is a, a, a really a bottom line in a number of these different shilas, and not about the school shilas or whatever, but, but it is a, a, a something which comes up in many of these shilas that the party is encouraged to make a, a, a pshara, but a pshara based on what makes sense, um, it, according to the facts on the ground and how long and whatever. Is there a difference between um, a, a normal problem, like um, it, there's, there's horrible weather and nobody can get to the Hasna Hall, um, and something which is completely unforeseeable, I mean, you, you, you rent a Hasna or you, or you book a, a ticket, you know that, that there are things, 
stuff happens. Um, and, and, you know, and you either take insurance out or you don't take insurance out. But this is just completely off the wall. Okay. Is but, there a difference? But, but, so, so there can be differences, but first, before we get to that, we have to, we have to understand, are we dealing with a Makas Medina situation? And the point I'm making is that, that, that and this is why it's always so important in Chosh Mishmar that you look at all the angles. Because so often situations look similar, circumstances look similar, but there's a twist. So in this particular case, on the one hand, we're talking about a person who can't use uh, a hall here in London. And on the other hand, we're talking about a person who's here in London and he can't use his apartment in Eretz Yisrael. Now, you could be easily forgiven for thinking that those two scenarios are one and the same. But they're not. They're not. Could you just define or remind us Makas Medina, what does that actually mean? Is it, so is it Makas, a man-made, is it a man-made event like a war or something, or is it a also, like this situation here is not man-made, it's very different. So if we get to the Shulchan Aruch this week, and if we don't, then it's Hashem next week, but in the Shulchan Aruch's example, Makas Medina is talking about a scenario where you're employing workers to water your fields. So if the particular river dries up just by your field, that's your Mazle Goram, and then the different halachas which Shulchan Aruch will speak about. But if the the whole uh, 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 river which supplies all of the area's fields dries up and there's no water for anyone in the area, then that's Makas Medina. That's something which is basically a, a, a overall problem, not specific to my particular property, but to all of the properties in the area. And that, that has a difference. So it doesn't have to be man-made, and it can be man-made. There's no differentiation. If, for example, there'd be a war, like we mentioned at the time, the Lebanon Shiloh was very much man-made. Not, not on our side, but, but we have, we had people firing rockets over the border into Eretz Yisrael. So that's clearly, by definition, a man-made situation. But nevertheless, it was very much Makas Medina, because it means that nobody can be in their properties. Okay. Alright? The Shulchan Aruch scenario isn't man-made. That's a water river drying up from natural circumstances and whatever. So the beauty of the fact that it applies to both is we don't need to get involved in the discussion whether COVID is man-made or not man-made. <laughs> now, coming back to, coming back to the, 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 the point at hand, so the differentiation here between a whole shaila, a local whole shaila, where you would have a Machat Medina shaila, because the property can't be used, Right, the doors are locked, it's illegal to go in, or whatever it would be, it's legal to be there. And a shaila here, where actually, if you think about it, there's nothing wrong with the apartment in Eretz You can use the apartment in Eretz Many people are using their apartment in Eretz I have a physical problem, not only me, everyone in England, or anyone trying to get into Eretz I don't know exactly whether one can fly in without having to quarantine, or whether one can fly out, whatever, I don't know. But in theory... There, the, the, the shayla is, you, it's a, it's a shayla, machas medina, but not machas medina on the land, it's machas medina on people. People can't go in, or people can't go out. And the Ktsuris makes a distinction between the two, and he says that the normal machas medina shayla, which we're going to see in Shulchan Aruch, is referring specifically to problems on the land, not problems on people. So really, we, we need to recalibrate what our shayla is. Our shayla isn't actually a machas medina shayla, our shayla is a shaila when there's an onus that prevents a tenant from being able to rent the property. And the particular shaila which, 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 
is, is often used as the benchmark for the Shaila. It's something which everyone will understand and everyone will feel sympathetic to. And um, Barry, in a minute, you can weigh in again with what the law is. But um, what happens if you have a tenant who's on a 12-month lease and unfortunately they passed away in the middle of that lease? Now, I don't know if normal English uh, 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 contracts would have in there a specific clause. If the tenant passes away, then, then, the, uh, you know, then the lease terminates, whatever it would be. I've got no idea. But let's just talk about one where there's no such clause. Or talk about, apologies, Barry, but talk about people who actually rent property without signing a lease. It does happen, right? And, and, and um, in such a case where this clause wasn't made, so the shayla would be, what happens if um, the tenant passes away in the middle of, a con- middle of a contract? Does the landlord have a right to go after the Yerushim, to go after the estate and say, that can you please tell me who, um, you, you know, can you please pay rent? Uh, your father signs a lease, and as a result of the lease, um, he's meant to pay rent for the next 12 months or next five months, whatever it would be. And, uh, you know, so you, he left an estate, and like any other chayv that he has, who the, the Baal chayv is entitled to come after the estate, we're coming after you to continue paying till the end of the lease. What will be the law, Barry? Um, it, uh, the, the law will be that the the estate is liable for the for the rent because the, the estate has the benefits still of the lease. So the lease right. is, a, is, a, is a land interest and passes to the to the beneficiaries, but that comes with the liability of having to pay the rent. Right, and if they say, "Listen, this is a, a one man granny flat, uh, which we have absolutely no use for." And, um, you know, there's nothing we can do. That's tough. That is basically tough, yeah. Right. Okay. So in Halacha, this is a, a very interesting discussion, which we're going to see now, weighing in on the Shaila, whether in, under such circumstances, the Yerushim can turn around and tie an Can they turn around and say, listen, um, there's an Oynus here. We're, we're not trying to walk away from a lease of our own free will. Circumstances are such that this is a mamish of pure Oynus. We, we we don't need the we don't need the property anymore. We don't need the benefit anymore, and therefore we shouldn't have to pay. And the root of this shaila, just to give a bit more of the background before we get to it in this week or next week inside, is a very basic yeshivish shaila. And the yeshivish shaila is when you rent a property, what is schirus? How do how does halacha view schirus? And specifically, what we mean is does halacha view schirus? As a mekach, is schirus memka or is schirus not memka? Because if you look at schirus as a short-term mekach, that means, for example, to use English terminology, I bought a lease, right? Uh, you know, you, you, you could say, in, 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 I think even legally and for sure colloquially, you can say I bought a lease. So what does it mean you bought a lease? It means I bought the rights to live, use a certain property for a specific period of time. So that's, I purchased it. Now, with any purchase, if a father would purchase himself a car, purchase, not uh, uh, lease a car, he purchased a car, and then he passes away, nobody in their right mind would think that you can go back to the person he bought it from three months later, two months later, one month later, and say, listen here, we're really sorry, dad purchased this little car, we've got no use for this car, so now that he's not alive, it's an oinus that he can't use the car, 
can you take it back? That's ridiculous. You purchased it. The moment you've done the Kenyan, it's yours. And that's it. Anything that happens later has got nothing to do with the person who sold it to you. So how do we view in halacha when you, when you purchase a lease or when you rent a property? If you look at Schirus as a Mecca, then clearly this entire Shaila about the, the unfortunate demise of the tenants is completely irrelevant because you bought this property for 12 months. And that's it's yours for 12 months. And therefore, there's nothing you can do. And uh, from what Barry's saying, it would seem that that's how the law looks at it. You bought the lease. Uh, there's no, well, well, not necessarily. It could be on grounds in any case that you've signed a lease and you're contractually bound. And even if it's not a Mecca, uh, you've signed up for it. Okay, so let's leave the law for a moment. But from a halachi point of view, you can't have a discussion about Oynas if Schirus is a Memka. And this is going to be a Machlekes Hushonim in the Shulchan Aruch as to whether or not we're going to look at Schirus as being a Memka, which is the Shutter of the Rajbo, or whether or not we, get, we don't look at Schirus as being a Memka. Um, in fact, we're going to see uh, uh, the, the Shach and others that there's a possibility of Schirus being a Memka regarding specific things and not regarding other things. See, whether or not Schirus is a Memka is, is, is relevant, for example, to the Allah of Einor. In Einor, we find that there's a Din Dei Raisa, that you're not allowed to overcharge by more than a sixth the market rate for certain things. And Chazal Darshan, um, most shitters in, in, in Allah Darshan, that this, from Xer Shava, doesn't apply to Karka. It doesn't apply to Karka. And therefore, if a person overcharges by Karka, there's no Din Einor. Now, there's a Shaila whether we say if you double to Toysus and other Rishonim, we've seen, we've learned a number of years ago, that if you double uh, overcharge by 100%, so something costs £100,000 and you're charging £200,000 uh, or £201,000, whether there we say, okay, that's already a whole different level, and there it now applies even by Karka. But let's leave that out. Let's say less than, way less than overcharging by, by 100%. So Pasha says, no, do not by Karka. In fact, on a completely side point, but just on for Chazorah's sake, when we learned the halacha, we came across a remarkable ktsois, um who, who says there that, if you remember those who were here in the at the time, uh, who says that there's a concept in halacha when we speak about karka of mechuba, tolosh v'achakach mechuba. Now tolosh v'achakach mechuba means, what happens if you have something which originally is in its original form is metalklin, and then you make it karka. And, and you might be trying to think of what that would be. And the answer is every single one of you are in one of them, right? Because every building that is built originated as a bunch of materials, building materials. So you've got wood and you've got metal and you've got sands and you've got brick and you've got mortar and you've got plaster and you've got paint. And you bring along all these materials uh, and steel and everything else to a, a piece of land and you start digging, hopefully, foundations and building on those foundations, and before you know it, you have a building. So effectively, you've taken something which is metalflin, and you've made it into karaka. How does halacha look at such a construction? Now, do we go after the form that it takes now that's attached to the ground, and it's karaka? Or do we say that since it originated as metalflin, uh, I don't know if you want to say xerishova lines, whatever it would be, it's metalflin, the fact that you've now stuck it in the ground, that's not karaka. Karaka is karaka as we know it. And this Shaila has ramifications in probably uh, six, seven different areas in Cheshmer Mishwat. It's obviously got enough in the Gabi Kinyonim, 
So how do you acquire a property? We know that karka is nicknames because of shtar chazaka, right? So, for example, shtar could be a contract, right? Kesef uh, would be proper kesef, not a transaction in a bank, as we've discussed. That could be that could be situm, so that's a separate point. And and and, and, and chazaka, as we've seen, does kesef shtar chazaka work in acquiring a house, acquiring any property? So if you say that, um, sorry, uh, this is metalklin, then metalklin, you've got to be kind with Mashiach or Hagba. Now, good luck doing Mashiach or Hagba with a property, because you can't move it. So then you'll have to come on to Chalipin, you'll have to come on to other various different Kinyanim. And we, in most areas of Halacha, look at Talosh Rach which means buildings, we look at as being uh, Karka, proper Karka. However, when it comes to, to, uh, uh, um, Baltolin, where Baltolin, as we said, there's no Isidai Raisa of Baltolin on Karka. Sorry, so I, I think I went off before. But yeah, by Baltolin, so there's no Isidai Raisa on, on Karka. There it comes along with Tsois and says, but when it comes to, uh, Baltolin, remember, is the Isidai of not paying on time. There it comes along with Tsois. Sorry, I jumped from, I know, uh, to Baltolin. Apologies. Uh, but there, but by, by Baltolin, so he turns around and said that on Tolosh Achachachuba we're going to be machme because it's a deraisa. Because it's a deraisa. So again, just, that was just a side, uh, point which we had on, on various different ways where in certain areas in Halacha we can look at Karka as Karka and certain areas maybe not. Here in a similar form, when it comes to Schirus, in, in, uh, and, and it comes to Oino, uh, in Oino we do learn that, uh, uh, uh is the same as a Mekach. And Schirus is the same as a Mekach, and therefore we learn that the halachas uh, of it would apply by Schirus like they would by Mekach. And the shine is therefore, when it comes on to here as well, do we apply in this halacha, um, Schirus being a Mekach, and coming back to our halacha, if you say Schirus is a Mekach, then what that means, the ramification of that is going to be that you can no longer, uh, turn around and claim Oynas, because now that you bought it, you bought it. Or, if you don't look at Schirus as being a Mecca, then we can start looking into grounds of Oynas and saying that Taka, uh, um, possibly one can get out of it. And on that Shaila, and I've just realized, sorry, because I'm busy thinking that we're going on until quarter past, and I was meant to have finished at 10, so apologies for that. But on that Shaila, just to finish off, there's also a Shaila, is there any difference if I've already paid? We're going to see in the Ramor, is there a difference if a person has paid up all the rent, Right, and now they want to turn around and say an onus happened. The nifta, uh, the, the the tenant has passed away. We can't use the property. We don't need to use the property for the remaining four months of the contract. Can we have the rent back? Is a different shaila to a shaila of are we mechuyev to pay the rent from the estate? So, in, in summary, where we are is we've touched on the fact that there are various different areas where this particular scenario that we find ourselves in, 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 in this, this unprecedented situation um, has various different halachic ramifications, which include um, potentially uh, baby uh, um, nurseries, includes potentially hiring of properties, includes potentially halls, includes potentially schools, moisters, uh, uh, yeshivas, sems, etc., etc. And the particular area that we're focusing on first is people who have a property in Eretz Yisrael, which they currently rent, which they were renting already prior and left Eretzisol before they could have known that their departure would potentially hold them back from coming for a number of months. 
And now the situation is such that uh, they find they can't come back, which we're classifying as an onus. We've differentiated between Makas Medina, where you can't use the property, and Makas Medina, where the person can't get to the property to use it, uh, which is what we find ourselves in now. And now we have a particular shaila which we need to go through, which is when that happens, and there's an onus, do we allow the owners to be grounds for the tenant to terminate the lease? And again, as Yossi mentioned earlier, obviously ten- terminating the lease is terminating the lease. That means you clear everything out of the apartment and the landlord has the right to rent the apartment out to someone else. Very good to be back. This time next week, I assume, we'll also be on Zoom. Maybe the week after that, we'll be back together again. Shkoyach.